Hey, hey, did you guys see that Notre Dame is burning down? I did. Yeah. Guess who's flying into Paris on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> How long are you in Paris? Uh, like three Couple or f- days. three or four days, and then I'm going to Ka, and then I'm you know just gonna skip through Calvados, like skipping, not skip it. <laughs> like I'm going to be skipping the entire time. Right. Um, I'll probably get violently ill with cheese and apple things, and then we're <laughs> going down to Lyon, and then back up to Paris for like one more day, and then home. Yeah. Well, try and leave the churches alone. <laughs> I will try not to burn down any churches. Yeah, they've already had a rough spell of it, so don't be a dick. That's pretty brutal. Like I, you, you know, you watch the spire fall. I'm like, oh man, that's that's a fire. Yeah, it's fire. That was yeah. that was kind of depressing. But uh, apparently, they saved they saved the spires Some art. and they saved the majority of it. They just lost like two thirds of the roof, so it wasn't a total loss from what I read. Okay. Which is super important cool. for a listener right now. That's the key reason they tune in to hear about <laughs> news. Breaking news. Speaking of our new ago. segment. Yes, our new segue. This is the Still Talking Podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. And today we're going to do actual podcast work by talking about some news and pretending to actually have a structure to this goddamn thing. Wait, we have a new segment? Yeah, we have a segment. We have like a news and information and press release segment, which we're totally just going to muddle through and fuck up the first couple times. I didn't know that we were doing this. Yeah, we We don't actually tell you a lot about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) We see most of the time we just like call you on this and assume that you'll forget we're recording. All right. So in terms of news, essentially the way we're going to do this is I get a ridiculous amount of press releases, news information. I figured I would just pick some out that kind of strike my fancy and not read them to you necessarily because no one wants to sit here and listen to me read for half an hour but i figured i'd i do can you just bullet point information i can can. and what this is actually a little bit older but i thought it was interesting because we've talked about the ttb enforcement before uh but they sent out on the second of this month april 2nd they sent out uh, press release talking about a two and a half million dollar compromise for trade practice violations you guys see that I don't know what any of those words mean. No. So uh, TTB has accepted a $2.5 million offer in compromise from Heineken USA Incorporated for uh, alleged violations of Federal Alcohol Administrative Act. Uh, It's an investigation initially developed with the joint operation conducted with the Florida Division of the Alcohol, Beverage, and Tobacco, the Miami District Office, and subsequently expanded to cover alleged unlawful activities in Washington State, New York. So that's Wait, so this is this is the pay the for play setup, right? Yeah. So I'll give you the specifics here. I, I'll read <laughs> a little bit more and then we can actually talk about it. But specifically, the TTB alleges that Heineken provided some retailers with brew lock draft systems at no charge and reimbursed other retailers for the cost of purchasing brew lock draft systems. Uh, essentially, reimbursements were disguised as unrelated credit and uh, credit card charges. Uh, also known as swipes, and because BrewLock is a patented uh, draft system developed for Heineken that only works with specifically designated kegs used by Heineken, TTB TTB basically alleges that the system both uh, obligated and induced the retailers to exclusively purchase Heineken products. And basically it also has to do with slotting fee payments. Uh, They were disguised as unlawful payments. So there's a whole lot of shit going on. Uh, and then they were also disguised as consumer samples that never actually occurred. And so this is what the TTB is alleging. And this is a basically a payment from Heineken to basically as a compromise, they're calling it, which I thought was interesting. So it's uh, it's hush money. It's a buyout. It's a yeah. settlement. They definitely yeah. made more than two and a half million dollars yeah. off that. So that's the key. So this is. Yeah, exactly. It's unique in the fact that it did name Heineken. So in some of the other settlements, the perpetrators were not named. So they had a settlement where they were kept out of it. This one actually does name Heineken, but it doesn't, I'm not reading necessarily that they had to claim fault. And I may be wrong on this. I'm just going off the press release, but essentially it's a compromise payment. Um, But TTB is obviously positioning it as a win against um, anti-competitive practices. 
So, and this Big is booze. take it down. I mean, it is kind of great to see some of the larger producers like this get hit with some of those anti, you know, competitive practices. But you're right, two and a half million to Heineken isn't huge. And again, I don't know if they actually had to admit fault in this. That I'm not sure about. A compromise payment. Man. Yeah, that's literally what they call it. So <laughs> I pay my ex-wife. <laughs> I don't you have don't, it. Is that you don't admit faults. Right <laughs> yeah. Is that your pet name for her? Yeah. Too many swipes. <laughs> ooh, ooh, no, no. Uh, um, that's that's messed up. That's so much money, but so little money to Heineken. Yeah. And you're right. That's what I don't like at it is that it puts them in not a negative light. It's like hush. It's like all right, cease and desist talking about this. We didn't do this. Right. right. Is well, it going to go any further than this, or is that is that not. matter squashed now? I imagine <laughs> that that probably protects them from any liability found with that particular situation, because it it specifically states Washington State, New York, so they may not be exempt in any other states where this happens. But I would imagine those two basically it's a payoff to say, hey, we're we're off the hook now. We won't do it again. You know, it's a two and a half million dollar slap on the wrist. So for anyone else, that would put them out of business. Obviously, it's not going to be an issue with. They better design a new keg system. Well, yeah, I did think over. that was that was kind of interesting <laughs> that they were disguising it. You know, they were going through some serious hoops to disguise the situation. Yeah, that's the shadiest part of it, right? For sure. Also, Heineken, don't 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 sue us. We we're just reading a press release. Um, you may be lovely people. Yeah, because Heineken's listening to this. <laughs> hey, if Heineken's listening to this, hire me. Uh, I'll, I'll swipe all kinds of stuff and lie about it. Yeah, Zeno has absolutely yeah. zero integrity. He will help you out. <laughs> but he will do it intelligently. That's well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Yeah, th- that's the worst. You're right. Like they're hiding it as consumer samples and ugh. It's kind of shady and gross, which, again, it's it's actually good that TTB is going out of their way to enforce these kind of things, because most of those I mean, most of the smaller producers we know and work with don't have the capability to one, do anything shady like that, uh, thankfully, but also they're at a huge disadvantage. So it's it's good that other big places are being held to the same standards they would be. Is that is that All it right. for the news segment? Yeah. That's the one that stood out as interesting. I mean, I could go through and read yeah. you a few you more. You don't have the, Maca- the McAllen ad. No, do you have the McAllen ad? Yeah, there was a there was a McAllen ad that got banned for it was deemed irresponsible behavior. I have not heard this one. Tell me, risky behavior. I'm looking at the ad. It's it's basically a, I think it's sort of a Icarus type ad where it says it flew too close would, to the sun. Would you risk falling for the chance to fly? And it's a half bird half human man so is it worried people are gonna get lit and try and breed with birds is that (laughs) i think so it's kind of like it's kind of like how red bull got uh got sued for red bull gives you wings and now they have that stupid w-i-i-i-n-g-s you guys clearly have not noticed this. Yeah, we don't know no, what you're talking not about. A, not yeah. at all. A couple of years ago, there was this giant class action that Red Bull lost that said basically their their campaign, Red Bull Gives You Wings, was false advertising. Uh, because so it literally was, won't give you wings. Because it literally doesn't give you wings. Wow. And there was a point where like, if you'd bought a Red Bull in the past 12 years... You could go get money back a class if you had a receipt God from your Red Bull twelve years ago. Oh, who's, the ass- <laughs> who's the asshole who brings that up? Like, I want justice. I do not have wings. I'm like, this court's not busy. I drank enough Red Bull to give me cancer, but I can't fucking fly. Yeah. Right. I have no testicles anymore, but I was promised wings. <laughs> The Still Talking Podcast does not endorse Red Bull giving you cancer you know, or... that's probably the asshole who lost his testicles. <laughs> yeah. And he was just pissed about it. He's like, how do I get back at these right. assholes? Right, and he probably got like $47 <laughs> out of that that lawsuit. Yeah. Wait, I have... Uh, we have no idea that anyone ever lost testicles from Red Bull. By <laughs> no, no, I know. I just, what we're very I, just, I, I just randomly spouted that out. Let's not... Uh, <laughs> There is no correlation to Red Bull and testicle loss whatsoever. <laughs> hey, the new segment is brought to you by High Proof Ooh. Creative. Yeah. 
She can curate all of your social medias to find you the most recent news. Yeah. yeah. News, she, she, news brought to you respectfully and with actual nuance, as opposed to us idiots reading you press releases. Yeah. So, Hyper Creative, thank you for Informative this. news? <laughs> Go to Hyperproof Creative. <laughs> If you want to like banter s- on two-week-old TTB news, you've come to the right place. <laughs> Would you like uh, someone who doesn't talk about the loss of testicles? <laughs> Although I can't speak to that either. Unless that's in the news. You do, yourself, you, do you, High Proof Creative. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Yeah. All right, moving on. That's all the news and information I have. Okay. We'll keep it short. I think we... We're well-informed now. I do. I I feel like we've learned things. This is great. All right. So we actually have a topic this time, and you guys have, like, science-y stuff to talk about with uh, still geometry. Yeah. So we had a listener wrote in and suggested the the topic of how does the different shape sizes, copper amount, all that, affect different products coming out. And actually, it's very timely. We just did a... R&D project a couple weeks ago where we took a gin, so same base, GNS, and then went through the same process as a steep gin, steeped it for a day or two, and then put it through. We were trying to recreate, it's for a contract, we were trying to recreate another, the same gin basically that was made on a different still. So we have all kinds of different stills. So I put it through 750-gallon pot with a very basic column and condenser, a all stainless with a little bit of copper plating gin still with a vapor basket, and then a 50-gallon just normal pot still with four plates and a worm condenser where the other two had uh, shotgun condensers. So the results were obviously it's basically just an experiment in what reflux does. Uh, so the lowest proof one and sort of the heaviest body was the pot still. Surprisingly, the one with the four plates... We thought it was going to come out the highest proof, but it was about three points lower than the just normal gin still. Um, and now, I think you, that's due to... Did you pot macerate or did you just macerate and then take? We macerated and then took the botanicals out and and added in some, some water to proof it down to 100 uh, and the second half of the GNS. So I macerated with about half the GNS. And all your maceration times were exactly the same, the same. Yeah. Did you pre-make a batch, one batch that you drew from for each experiment, or did you, to try and limit variables, or was it new each time? It was the same proportions macerated in each, you know, if I need 90 gallons for vessel A, 60 for vessel B, 20 for vessel C. So there was three different macerations, but same proportions, same sourcing of the botanicals, all, you know, all that. Okay. okay. So, and what I guess one of the surprising things was, you know, you definitely don't need, normally you don't need a huge head cut on gin. The, um, just the basic, most basic pot still, we had a fairly large head cut. It was about, I think, uh, 15%, where the other two were down at about 9% of, you know, total proof gallons. Hmm. And you, you were using GNS, right? Yeah, yeah, that's why I thought it was interesting because it's, you know, there's so little other variables in there. Right. We already yeah. know what it is, so it really is just an experiment in rectification. You know, how, how? Yeah. How does exactly? That's interesting. So yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of like gin's crazy too because you have all those essential oils and all these things, all these yeah congeners that you want right and retain and so well that was that was what the the heads cut the whole purpose was it was coming over and there was so much oil coming over in the beginning that it was just immediately clouding up i think the amount that we're macerating was fairly large were you trying to problem solve anything specifically or were you just doing this for your own edification? yeah i'm trying to match a a already out there product flavor profile got it that was done on a completely different still that had after the condenser it had a line back into the pot so they were just basically distilling and refluxing right back into the pot for two hours before they drew anything off. Mm-hmm. So basically a, a giant plate, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, so you said it was coming off real oily. Was it, it wasn't from, uh, oils from a previous run, was it? Cause I mean, no, no, these are all super clean. Okay. Uh, every still was super clean. 
That's a that's a heavy gin. It's very oily. But yeah, yeah, normally I don't notice oils in the you know the initial runoff. But this basically you any water in it and it immediately just hazed up. Huh, right. So we had to. So we had to just basically wait until that stopped. So did you figure so out what you were trying to hearts? Did you figure out what you needed to, or you have to run uh, follow-ups now? I have to run follow-ups, and one of the interesting things I have to do is. So the gin, well, our 180-gallon gin still, it's all stainless and has a vapor basket, but no plates, no way to reflex or anything. So I did stick, you know, I gathered every bit of random uh, column packing, you know, ceramic and uh, just stainless mesh that I had. Threw that in there. It was maybe a quarter full in the baskets. Um, and I, that's obviously the reason that the, the result off of that still came out at the highest proof okay. is that random packing made it reflux the most. So what I think we're going to try to do is actually use the vapor basket this time with the botanicals to create reflux by using the botanicals. Kind well, of. I mean, they kind of were doing almost a stripping run and just running it right back into the pot. That's what you said? Well, yeah, but the pot's still going. Still moving. Right? Yeah, so like you're not losing any volume. It's just this constant... Yeah, you're in constant reflux. Right. So I guess, I mean, we can, well, let's come back to this, but let's get more into the basics of what, you know, what we're talking about. No, I think, it, yeah, I think it's interesting because really when it comes down to what we do is separation chemistry, right? It's, that's what we're doing. Uh, very, at its most basic form, it's ethanol and water. When you get into something like gin, you're talking about all those botanicals and all those essential oils. Uh, I think most people, and I'm guessing what listener was thinking of, is like whiskey and different whiskey sure. shapes, right? And like, but there you have different long chain alcohols that are coming over, right? Which is all your character and how that's refluxing and how much you're separating it and your control of separating it, right? So I, I think that's kind of interesting what kind of congeners come off. And like how you're set, what you're doing. There's like that old fucking, I, I don't know, you always hear the stories of like, oh, people had dents in their pot. And when yeah. they got a new pot, they put the same dent in there. Cause like it refluxed right there. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's a bit insane. You you could use some analytical equipment to really prove that if you had like some GCMS and HPLC, like that would be kind of cool to run those projects that you had Colton, on, on some of the mm-hmm. analytical equipment to break it down. And just integrate peaks to see what kind of comparison you had. But yeah, I mean, I think that what it comes down to, right, is how much you're separating it, how efficiently you're separating it, and what you want to separate when you don't. And that's where the craft, so to speak, comes in, right? Yeah. But okay, so you're a new, you know, you're a new distiller buying a buying your first still. Obviously, it depends on what you want to make. But what are the, you know top few things that you want to look for and let's let's just stick with whiskey for now you're making whiskey now do you want i mean plates or not do you want a shotgun condenser or a worm condenser i think you got to think about like i always you know I, i go back to this phrase all the time start with the end in mind right like how long are you going to be able to age it right if you're going to make this heavy characterful new make spirit are you letting it sit in a barrel for four years? Or are you letting it sit in a small barrel for six months? Yeah. Because that's a different still that you want, then, right? You're essentially trying to reverse engineer from the product you envision. I mean, that's the way I approach it. Uh, I'm not saying okay, I'm, so, I'm right, but but I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess starting from the beginning, let's do uh, you know what what each step what each part of the still does. So your pot, does it matter if it's copper? Do you, does it need to be copper? Does, can it be stainless? Can it be aluminum? Ceramic? Wood? Yeah. <laughs> Just me yeah. holding it in my hands? Like cupping <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Using my own body temperature? Yes, that I, works. That's right. viable, right? Thank you. I know, yeah. I know a lot about distilling things. Right, so the, you know, the, the immediate answer that most people say is, well, everything should be copper. But copper doesn't last very long in terms of, you know, maintenance. It takes a lot more. Right. And in this... But do you need... Are you getting that... Is there a copper contact 
yes yeah. noticeable and super important in the pot i think that's we need to figure out where where your efficacy of copper is the best right is it in the vapor phase or the liquid phase right? yeah right, right. so m- most copper service area is in the vapor phase and it's like okay if you're like we go back to the whiskey it's like do you have a nice healthy fermentation or are there a bunch of non-desirable sulfur compounds on there or are there desirable sulfur compounds like how much do you want to separate or remove tell right. me about these desirable sulfur compounds yeah i don't know they're delicious uh, yeah uh for my egg spirits <laughs> yeah the ones that smell like baby vomit and farts mm. yeah. man you up real quick uh there are some that i you know that will i'm sure that that you know will change over time like there's there's known like i think that kind of what you were saying i like it you pointed out that you use two different types of condensers you know i kind of we talk about that like is it a worm versus a shotgun and then if you're running the worm is your you know your your vessel that the worm is in how fast is that water flowing i think i found something we we knew we were going to talk about this it's like the flow if when the flow is real quick and it you know it condenses really quickly then it's heavy right cuz you don't have much time for that vapor to be in contact with that surface area before it immediately condenses and like Dow Winnie, the Dow Winnie does that. They have like they run it pretty quick. And I found yeah, another. Right. They switched. They switched back to worms, right? Right. Yeah, because they changed. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, worms are pretty uncommon now. Can you can you guys do a quick uh, quick definition of say worm versus shotgun? Worm is your sort of standard, just copper coil in a big water bath. Okay. Or a shotgun, you have you know a bunch of straight tubes going up through the condenser. You're sending your cold water through those tubes, and the spirit is condensing on the on the outside yeah. of the tubes. Got it. But inside the condenser, I don't like to call them a shotgun condenser. I like to call them a shell and tube condenser because that's what they really are. <laughs> and the water is tube side, and the vapor is shell side. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, there's a really I mean, cool. There's a that really makes cool a distillery. Difference. So yeah, there's a really cool distillery in uh, in Atlanta. That they have their condenser is glass, so you can actually watch the vapor condense. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So, so the you know the adverse effect. I thought it was cool too, Colton. What? I thought it was cool too, Colton. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit in some laughs. Cheers. Are you gonna put a laugh track just for yourself? He's like he's like I'm gonna edit in some. I'm gonna edit in some interest into this conversation. That's real good. That's real good. Yeah, I just thought it was cool to actually get to watch the vapor condense. Right. I'm sure it would not be cool on day two. (laughs) Right. Right. Loses its nuance after. Yeah. Real quick. Well, and obviously from a pure production standpoint, it's irrelevant. It's doing nothing positive for your whole process. I mean, when I was. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I was just going to say to go back and clarify, like when we're talking about the actual material that the still is made out of, we're not talking about marketing at all in this conversation. Like a copper still is different than a stainless steel still from a marketing standpoint if you're trying to do, you know, an event space. But I think it's best not to touch on that or even worry about that. This is just pure production efficiencies we're talking about. Yeah, because I mean, like when you're talking about making your gin, I'm all about having a stainless steel pot. Well, so, but we did find that we needed some copper, even with just just GNS in the pot running through sure. botanicals. We were getting some off flavors and right. just adding literally a tiny, tiny amount of copper. We took just a copper mesh and laid it at the top of the vapor basket and it worked. Yeah. It sounded like it, you then I, then I said, when you said that. I did. Oh, <laughs> this is good. Is it any- this is gross. <laughs> this is not the grossest we've done. At any point, can you overdo the copper contact? I know that's a super layman question, but uh, to me, I think it's just maintenance. Yeah, copper requires much more delicate, and it's harder to clean. And what about when you're talking about just copper contact? Like you've seen, like you're talking about a mesh. I've seen. Um, I can't think of the word right now, but they pack tiny copper tubes into. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though, I, mean, I know a big will, distillery that does that. Yeah, those will hold. Yeah, those will hold up for much longer, right? You have to replace those. How often, Zeno? Uh 
more often than they're probably replaced. Uh, <laughs> I know Masters uh, is yelling at us right now in a specific time frame. He's like, fucking idiots. <laughs> no, there isn't a specific time frame because it all has to ma- matters where it is in your system and where you're running it. Like if you're talking about continuous systems, right? Like I think that, I mean, Colton and I talked about this before about a project on a, a large column. And I'm like, dude, why are you getting your whole column? And your continuous copper. I'm like, that is kind of yeah. a waste. Right. And I said, so most of the like the big boys and big boys, like their copper is either in the top of their column or most of the time it's actually post that and other vessels like a uh, converter or in the doubler itself or the doubler's copper. Right. Right. So like it, and a lot of the times the, the doubler's copper, if the vessel's copper, then, you know, that gets replaced when you replace the doubler. Um, and a converter, there's some of those tubings. And, like, what are you doing? I think I still have pieces of what's in there. It's, like, all the copper sulfide that builds up on it. It just turns black. Yep. And um, yeah. so they don't really do that by how much copper sulfide is on there, like, how black it is. They do it to how thin the copper, those copper tubes. Yeah. So, or if, like, it has holes in it. And it will wear out. I mean, copper is pretty soft, right? Mm-hmm. So... I, I'd say like every two to three years, but it was a ongoing conversation because when you're at a very large scale, right? Anyone that would stumble upon this stupid podcast and <laughs> want a real answer to that question is probably like, you know, look at it. If you can clean it and you still have copper surface area and it's not like it's thin and has holes okay. in it, you're probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> or if you start getting off flavors, First, clean it, right? And don't clean it with caustic. Clean it with a citric acid, which will strip a layer off of it, which lessens the life of it, but actually cleans it. And I mean, you know, so there's not a real good, there's not a black and white answer to that. Just know what you're, where your copper is and know what it's supposed to do or what you want it to do. It's good. Fair answer? Fair, Fair answer. answer. I'm being right. very polite tonight, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel right, super so, uncomfortable. Also, the room you're recording in is slightly darker than I'm used to, which is throwing me off, too. I don't know why. I have smart lights in all my house now, so it's real nice that I just get to talk to my phone to turn things on at certain percentages. <laughs> so I'm like, turn Zeno's side of the bed on to 22%. You seem I don't like know. the last person Wait, in why the world did you... to be like hooked up to smart appliances. I love why that. Why did you, you want... name... Why'd you name everything properly? Yeah, like Carl. Like, like, turn on Carl, 25%. Because... Oh, I see what you did there. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Because Carl wants to be turned on 100%, goddammit. Don't tease Carl. Yeah. Carl, don't get down like that. Not enough swipes. More swipes. Um, More swipes. More of those Heineken (laughs) swipes. Um... Wait, how, what? You understand that I had like a whole like life and world and career and technology, right? Yeah, right. I don't. I don't believe that. I mean, your picture right. is you yeah. out in the woods, looking like. I mean, you're basically. I mean, you're not hipster. I'm, I had to make sure to say that because I knew it'd piss you off. <laughs> I thought you were going to say homeless. I get homeless. No, I mean, yeah, you're you're basically you're right between lumberjack and homeless. That's how I envisioned you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexy homeless lumberjack. <laughs> <laughs> That's your grinder po- profile yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. Must love cats. No pets. No, no um, pets. Love cats. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm mysterious. I, I don't love cats. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, homeless lumberjack. Probably more interesting than this. Um Still geometry. Still oh, geometry, yeah. No, yeah. we were talking about copper. No, that's a good question. If you have, like, copper tubing, when to replace it. Yep. I, I, I mean, that's kind of – you're going to use your best judgment. I think that you got to go back with, is has my spirit changed? Could it be the copper, right? And then kind of work back from there. And check it periodically if you can, if you can access it, which I feel like most people can access it. And this goes, shit, if Jim Beam – could get a crane in and open up vessels. And I have some yeah. cool pictures someday I'll show you. Uh, it has nothing to do with this conversation, <laughs> but they're really cool pictures. It's like me and a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell if he's in the woods or just homeless. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. We talked in the cold the other day, and I'm like, man, I really don't have a lot of horse access in my life. Horse access. That's that's a new way of measuring your quality of life yeah. based on your like horse how access. much how much time do you spend with a horse? Right. <laughs> I don't, mine is like zero. I've like barely seen. I've lived in Kentucky. I went to a horse race, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. They're pretty. I don't gamble for the record, so like it wasn't really fun for me. And that was the horse portion of this podcast. Tune in next yeah. time where Colton will tell you which one is prettiest. And Brought the horse. G and D chillers. chillers. Damn it. <laughs> I was going there too. I love that you guys were fighting to give G and D a spot about horses. Horse, the horse segment is brought to you by G and D chillers. Yeah. Do you know who keeps the horse's water tanks cold? Probably not G and D chillers, but they would do an amazing job if they did. Yeah. I don't know. I think G and D could get in at uh, Churchill Downs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, they I, seem to like. They don't seem to like. Like they really like tradition and keeping things the same way all the time. I think they're really <laughs> in for innovating and new processes. <laughs> so I think that uh, yeah, cool the horses water G and D. I love in the podcast where we're for once specifically talking about distillation production and facilities that we wait till the p- spot when we're talking about fucking horses to plug G and D. Best segue we've ever done. We love you, G and D. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's actually in all our sponsorship agreements. It just ends with "We're sorry." That was also in my wedding vows. Thanks. I'm sorry. Yeah, and she just said, "I know." Yeah, she wasn't there. Um, yeah. That well, I know. I got something now. I can bring this all back, guys. Bring I found out something other. Something else that was pretty interesting, we were talking about, like I was talking about running uh, water quickly through condensers, so it condenses quickly through the worm, right? Yep. And then there's someone else that runs hot water. Uh, Glenn Ord, I think, runs hot water, like warm water through their condenser too. Through their condenser? Yeah, well, through their, not through their condenser, but through their, uh, their washback, their vessel that the coil, that the worm rests in. Yeah. So they use warmer water to try and prolong that vapor phase copper contact surface area time, which I thought was kind of neat, right? Like that's something you could only do with a worm, though, right? Yeah, because that yeah. because you have so much liquid volume to to your coil ratio that it's going to condense no matter what. But you know, the shotgun works so closely on you know exact perfect heat exchange where. I mean, you just don't have the same volume of water running, you know, vapor, vapor to water. I don't think you could condense as well with hot water running through your... your no, you uh, would condense terribly, right. No, yeah. it would be really inefficient. You'd have to capture your vapors coming out of the, <laughs> to the condenser. With a well, that actually happens at big, <laughs> at big places, too, that use, like, natural water sources. Like, if you use your lake as your cooling water through a chilling tube condenser... Yeah. Well, guess what? A lake is a different temperature in August than it is in January. So it changes the way you're condensing and what you're vaporing off because a lot of those places that use big condensers have vented condensers where they're actually making their cuts, quote unquote, cut. Right? They vapor off some of the highly volatile, high vapor pressure things there. At any rate, so, I mean, kind of what you're getting at is it's not just the pot can be different. The helmet can be different. The line arm design, right? Is it which way does it break? What angle? Yeah, yeah, right. Like so, there's so many ways that, but it all comes down to the one thing. It's just what you said, right? It's at the beginning of this nonsensical conversation, is that uh, it's it's about reflux and rectification, right? Like how much you're redistilling that and reprocessing that and purifying it, for lack of a yeah. better term. So, I mean, that's, that's the point of, of helmets and then, like, onions, too, right? Yes, yeah, To sure. get sort of the, I think onions help reflux some of the heavier compounds and let those drop out. Well, I think, too, it's like if you look at, a, like, look at the, the shape of a Hoga pot versus, like, Vendomes. Like, Vendome, like, a lot of their hybrids are, like, wider in the top than they are in the yeah. bottom, right? Yeah. And there's, like, different reflux that happens in those. But I think that you could have, and I feel like this is a pretty safe bet. I don't think any two stills are going to be exactly the same. You know what I mean? Even if you run them under completely controlled conditions, they're like the 
they could still be very slightly different. You might not be able to tell, but I don't think they're exactly the same ever because it's really hard to control when you're talking about such a small amount of parts per million or billion of this compound, right? And well, yeah, but then, I mean, then how how super important is that except for the case where you're scaling up majorly and you need right. more stills, you know, you're going to get so close to the same from Vendum's making a hybrid for guy A and guy B. They have the same recipe, procedure, steam pressure, distilling times, all that. Their spirits will probably be pretty similar. Similar, right. And I think it's in with a degree of accuracy, right? Like, So I think that's what you, you hit the nail on the head, though. It's like scaling up or making a change. How does that affect your spirit? Like we were talking about these different worm condensers, and you know, we were specifically – what I was reading about and talking about was based around scotch and like, yeah, they went to worms and they switched to shell and tube or shotguns. Right. And then they had to go back to worm cause it changed too much. Yeah. Right. And then some do a combination of both, but it's like, yeah, if, if you change those things, it, it significantly impacts your spirit. And I, I think that a lot of it too is like, do you want a heavy spirit? Right. Are you making a light rum or a heavy rum? It's a totally different still you're going to use. Right? Yeah. Which is super and important this year. <laughs> is it? Is it the year of rum? It absolutely is the God year of rum. God damn it. What am I going to do for my final thoughts now, you fucking ignorant slut? I absolutely yeah. swung in and stole yeah. that from you, knowing full well that at the end you will still bring it back around. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to give it a break. Can't let you do Let's do... I think we've covered a lot of it, but let's let's talk about plates. Plates, like uh, I like to eat dinner off them. Uh, fiesta wear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the only plate that I know. <laughs> that's better than me. I, I literally I, Korean Korean's a plate, right? Like it. The only thing I can say about dinnerware plates is I've found as my house has gotten bigger over the years, my plates have gotten cheaper. So we've gone from like <laughs> the, the the plates we got like at our wedding, most of them have broken now that we have children. And now we're actually back to like plastic Costco plates. And I'm actually really thrilled by that. So yeah, that's when you know you've made it. That's awesome. That's because cool. you can just you just throw out the plate and grab it. Yeah, yeah you just throw each meal. directly into the ocean. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. And then you f- you fuck a sea turtle in the face. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't get to its face it's not- because of the straw up its nose. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> but one just doesn't throw a plate into the ocean without fucking a teeter- sea turtle in the face. <laughs> Clearly, I don't live on a coast. Oh wait, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, what do you want to talk about plates? Like, how many? <laughs> yes. What's the best number of plates? Yes. Yeah, let's, specifically. let's ask that question. <laughs> Colton, what is the best number of plates? <laughs> I would fucking, I hope never ever ask me that question. I Probably my, my eye would explode. Just one of them. It would be real weird. I feel like you're dodging the question, though. Now I want to know how many plates. Yeah. Colton, <laughs> how many plates are the best? How, it's the plate, best plates. 17.3. So, oh, what does point three of a plate look like? It's just a broken plate. <laughs> it's got to be properly broken. <laughs> yeah, over a sea turtle's head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think there's all kinds of different plate designs, too. And, yeah. again, it comes back to... Right. Are they, you know, how much reflux do you want? How much are you separating? Or do you, are you making vodka? Right. Or are you making whiskey? Or do you want to do a stripping run or do you want a single pass? Right. Cause I'm, I'm, there's plenty of people that use those hybrid columns and do single pass whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you didn't answer any questions. You just threw a lot more questions out there. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the answer, Brian. <laughs> I'm the Riddler. <laughs> Not the Jim Carrey wait, version. That like wasn't a, a, much, th- a much more flamboyant. That was just a series <laughs> of questions. It wasn't actually a riddle, though. <laughs> I feel like you've lost the nuance of what well, makes the it's, Riddler it's the Riddler. A, what, do you know what the, a riddle is? <laughs> that's a riddle in itself, is it not? Best podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. Can you think of any single pass whiskeys? Someone that's doing it, and you. But I don't know. I mean, if you're doing it out there, if you happen to listen to this listener, and you happen to be a distiller, and you're like, I have a four plate Vendome hybrid, and I do one pass, and I love my whiskey, then good on you, man, because that's what fucking matters. Um, But I think that you know that's a totally different process. I'll be completely honest. I did something that I never thought I would do. I used a four plate uh, column. Oh man, I, I can't believe I'm going to admit this to anyone out loud. <laughs> I had this, so I had this awesome like it's that sugar cane juice. I'm like, I had yeah. this fresh juice, and I'm like, fuck, I don't have enough to do like a stripping run and make like this like a real rum like I want to do. So I'm like, well, I can do a single pass through that four plate column, and I did. And it was okay. I'm sure, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. But I like so. Was, you could so what was was it too clean? What do you think you lost I had, by using? I had I had a, I had to run a lot of restraint on it. Like, <laughs> it was, like how much I was uh, using that deflagmator. Yeah, right. Like I, I just and I kind of didn't. You know, it was I've I never worked with sugarcane juice before, and I kind of really didn't know what to expect, and it wasn't real high ABV. Um. Yeah, I mean, I used restraint because I wanted it to be like to me. I recall has that grassy, like awesome yeah. stuff notes going on it. So I didn't want to get it up to like you know one eighty, one seventy, right? Like, would four plates do that off yeah. of a just yeah. just a wash? Oh yeah, it would, yeah. Depending on how much you're, you know, how hard you're running that deflagmator too. Like. Wait, so I'm assuming this is this is the still at your. At the New Orleans facility, right? One of those yeah. two. Yeah. So you have you you have the the pot with four plates, and then you have what twenty six two columns with twenty six plates next to it. Well, the, yeah. Right? No, I have a there's so it's the pot, and then there's a four plate, and then there's a twenty four plate. So what's the point of the twenty four plates? If the four plate gets it to one eighty, then the twenty four plates is one eighty to one ninety three. I don't know. Like, see, so <laughs> I've only run those both in succession. A couple times, and I mean, kind of what I make. I'm all about. I have this this phrase that I learned from I think Chris Beatty. I call it true to fruit, right? Like I like to be true to the characteristic of the raw material that I'm making. So whenever I get into plates, plates and high rectification and things like that, even if I'm making vodka, I like practice some restraint because I don't want it to be completely benign, sure. right? Like benign's a terrible word to use for it, but. uh because it has the whole cancer connotation thing. But I want mine to be bel- malignant. Yeah. Nope. My vodka's malignant as fuck. I mean, honestly, um, that's still better than moist solvent, so. Yeah. I mean, you know, you run it pretty hard doing that, too. And it's still not as clean, Colton. I guess I'm just it. asking, like, why would somebody buy those extra 24 plates and not just another eight plate? Like, why go so much Farther. Because they want to make super neutral yeah. vodka, right? It's a vodka style. It's like if you look like the Cote, the Cote, I think it's called the vodka still. And they have like two of the same size columns back to back, right? One of those columns will get you to the azeotrope, like, but. And then you just clean it up. I mean. Yeah. And then you're just cleaning it up more and cleaning it up more and cleaning it up more. It's like, it's actually really cool. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at Cote's website and they have like, they have this vodka. I, I guess it's their proprietary. It's called Purity Vodka. Ooh, that's and they're like, yes. Okay. So they're like, we just do it 30 sometimes. Is it in and, that crazy bottle? And they're like, and it has, we have 90% loss. <laughs> so they super refine it. I'm like, sweet fucking Christ. I'm like, it better taste like fucking unicorn pubes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Nobody knows what unicorn pubes taste like. That's why it should taste. I like was that. not going to fact check you. I was going to let that one slide. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it was a real, real nice. Like that was good. I enjoyed that visual. It was like a unicorn tears, but you know, given the nature of this podcast and that it's just college humor, as someone so eloquently phrased it to me. Bro humor, good old bro, bro humor. humor, frat guy humor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> They're like, we won't take you seriously. I'm like, ah. I don't want anyone to take it too seriously. Joke's on you. We've never taken ourselves seriously, ever. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate. Yeah, I've never had it. Brian, have you had it? Because you made a face. No, I just, the way you were describing it, just purity vodka sounds real bad. 
Like that, just I don't know if I'm a real big fan pieces. of look that, at, uh, look that at, Look it up on their website. It's really cool, though. It's actually they have this, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's like a quad chart, right? And like in the, the northeast region, it's like heavy and flavorful. Oh, yeah. And then like it's neutral. Like, you know, they do it with scotch all the time with smoky. Right. And like fruity, right? Yeah, we got so, there's, there's a good bourbon one too. Yeah, but like there's one of those for vodka, and I found that really interesting. I think they're kind of wrong in a lot of things, but uh, it was it was a really cool chart to look at. That's totally arbitrary and not based off of any data. Um, so, but still, super cool. Wait, but so this neat. is this is Cote's because it is that ridiculous bottle. It looks like a crystal. I didn't look it up. We should definitely look up more pictures while we're uh, uh, recording the podcast, though, because that is some good radio. <laughs> Listen, I think I think listener listens to us while driving, so obviously this is when they would pull out their phone and Google on the highway. I think listener listens to us when they're like, man, I want to feel better about myself. I think listener <laughs> yeah. listens to us when they accidentally leave iTunes open and they butt, yeah. butt search something and it just randomly clicks on us. That's where I'm pretty sure most of our clicks have come through. Some reason I was still thinking of like iTunes on a computer and then I tried to figure out how someone randomly butt searched <laughs> off a computer. Randomly butt search. <laughs> That's, the that's name a of button this episode. Not a, that's a button I hit on Grinder. Oh, <laughs> uh, Zeno, you just came up with a billion dollar idea. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's Grinder's competition. Random butt search. Yep, yep. We're cutting through all the bullshit. I'm sorry. There's no. I'm sorry to my brother and all my homosexual friends. <laughs> so. What were we talking about? It was actually really good before we got into all that. Yeah, oh, plates, plates, oh, plates. plates, yeah, plates, yeah. The point um, three plate. Yeah. So, what is the perfect number of plates, Brian? Yeah, just point three. <laughs> just point three. <laughs> just. Point I feel three. like you guys could save a lot of money and effort if you just cut to the chase, get the point three, and Look, then. Here's, well, I, th- here's, I think that listener, think that, listener, here's what you need to do. You need to open up your still. Break a couple of plates, throw them in there, just into the pot. Is it ceramic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Preferably Chinese made with lead paint. Oh, ah, oh, excellent. now we're definitely getting sued. Thanks, Colton. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, by China. It's not Chinese lead paint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, China is suing us. China and Heineken. China can. Yeah. <laughs> um. um this is going downhill. <laughs> yeah. We were never at an elevated position, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, it, I, a lot of it comes down to it's like, let's go to, if you could take it to very basic terms, it's like, and I, I kind of came up naturally in the conversation we were just having about that rum and that four plate with the flag that I have on it. It's like, what proof do I want to pull this off at? Or what range of proof do I want to pull this off at? Right? That's a good place to start. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. You sounded very confident in your agreement there. I was checking on something. I wasn't listening. He's still yeah. Googling. Did you things. even hear what I said? He did not. He hasn't been listening for at least five minutes. What did I just say, you motherfucker? I'm gonna Something fucking about... beat your I'm gonna beat your ass in your little egg carton room. Like, Whoa, this podcast got really violent. <laughs> yeah, you really do look like you're in a giant fucking egg carton though, Colton. Every day. I mean every day. at a certain point, if you ever decide to go bald and shave your head, there's no way we're Dude. not gonna we can't do this as a video call anymore. We'll just laugh oh, our ass man. off. Man, I should dress up. It's almost Easter, right? If you dressed up it like Humpty Easter. Dumpty, dude, uh, I'd put you back together again. All right. <laughs> Wait, but did you hear what I said? Seriously. Like I think it's a good yes, point. bring it off bring it off at different ranges. Well, yeah, like what do you want to do, right? Like do you want to use a plate? Do you want to do a stripping run and a spirit run? Do you want to use... Yeah, I mean, it's about how much, you know... Can you bypass your like, plates? I think a lot of those hybrids you can't bypass, right? Like, a lot I of those... I don't hybrids. think that's true. I think almost everyone... Now, I will say that I don't like the way that a lot of them do bypass, right? Where it's just a valve in, a, in the back that you're now hoping the vapor path goes kind of up and then to a separate almost column, right? I don't like those. I like the ones that you can actually just 
turn the plate so it's sideways. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get and reflux no matter what, but... And yeah, and I like that, so that brings me to the next point. You're right, like, so bypassing, they're not all just bubble cap plates. Like, you know, there's different designs of those plates, and they you can either bypass them or you can't bypass them, or you can, you know... The way they work and the valves work and the way that they're flooded and they reach that vapor liquid equilibrium in each fa- in each step. Well, I guess it, that's that's a really good point too that I think a lot of uh, younger guys are newer to the scene that you know it's their first <clears throat> first time distilling off a, a pot with plates where they just oh we have all the plates open let's just go they're not waiting for plates to actually fill or, or reach an equilibrium so they they say they're using plates but really they're just kind of filling them filling them <laughs> yeah if it's full of liquid <laughs> you've effectively rendered that your efficiency is way down yeah. right like and it happens there's entrainment that happens there's like and like continuous columns when you feed a column part way up a lot of it and, and like colton you know because you we've or looked at different columns now and that, you know, the phase where the beer feed is, there's a significant amount of space. It's a de-entrainment area or they have a de-entrainment tray. That's what they used to put them in. And it was like a whirlpool to keep the vapor velocity, keeping the hydraulic load coming up over into plates that you don't want. Now it happens like in the design of mine, um, the ones that I have in New Orleans, like the feed back into the pot from the bottom of the column. There's like a little aperture, right? And then there's a quarter turn ball valve that goes back to the pot and it's like reduced three times. So there's like a tiny little fucking pee hole in the bottom of the column. So I have to be really careful that it doesn't flood the base of that column. So (laughs) I have to wait till it gets to a certain point. Like I kind of, you know, fuck, I don't know. I don't do. Would you you change that if you could? Oh, absolutely. I would change it. Like, and I looked at it and other stills that are a similar design. I'm like, oh, well, that makes way more sense because it has a way to get back into the pot. Mm-hmm. And I, it, yeah, it just, it's not, it's not, it's just like minor oversights. And that's, you're going to have that with stills. I mean, especially when you, uh, you know, if you go to a new place and you inherit, inherit equipment, it's like you have to learn how that equipment works and what's good about it, what's not good about it. And, I mean, when everything works right and it flows, sure, it's real easy. But when your real your real work happens is when shit is not going right. Uh, I mean, I won't lie. There was one time I came in and the boys were running it and there was like six fucking windows full of liquid. <laughs> and well, I was they were like, so full you couldn't see. It just looked clear, right? Yeah, right. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Like, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, there's a learning curve for it. If, would I change that? Absolutely. I've been thinking about ways to rectify to drill the it out. <laughs> no, I don't think I'd drill it out. I don't know. I got some. I have some solutions in hand. I mean, it works fine. Like most of the time, if you're just on top of it, you can watch for it. Yeah, and like rectify the situation. But you know, so if that you, the, to flood, you know, specifically yours, but. It's a combination of how much steam or heat you're putting into the system versus what, how much you're well, running your, how much you're running your deflagmator to reflux yeah, it back down. Exactly. So it's a pressure differential in that column, right? Then it has to do with the vapor velocity coming up and the hydraulic loading on each plate, right? So you have downcomers, right? There's downcomers on those trades, right? There's liquid that flows down, vapor goes up, yeah, and if it gets down to that base, which is before the actual first plate, which is a bubble cap, and it, you know, you flow back into the pot and redistill it, you get that whole loop kind of. You were talking about this gin that you're trying to replicate, but the opening is really small, and it kind of it can't flow back quick enough, and so the vapor pressure from actually in the pot and everything, it kind of just spits. It's entrainment. It's entrainment yeah. on the on the on the bite base, and usually it's not a problem. But you know, again, you have to keep on top of it. And a lot of stills account for that by have like a bigger a bigger opening there that can feed the pot, or 
It just they're they're better designed than the one particular part of the still that I'm explaining. And it's something honestly, before I worked here, I never had to deal with that before. Right. Like that's yeah. that's totally new to me. Um I understand. It's the one of those things of you look at, I'm sure you know, if you're buying a new still and your manufacturer sends you still drawings and you're trying to go over them, but you don't know every single tiny little No. You know, I would probably look at that see that hole and say, cool, there's a hole. Sounds good. Right. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure the still manufacturer figured out the flow rate out of it. So. <laughs> that's, that's like the tagline for our new, what was the new grinder app called? <laughs> uh, Strange butts oh, or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a hole. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Got to figure out the flow rate. <laughs> yeah. Not enough swipes. Uh, uh, too many swipes. Too many swipes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could talk about the plates and plate design and, I mean, there's yeah, a, we should probably get a chemical engineer to come talk about it. Yeah, you can. I mean, and like we've all dabbled in the engineering aspect of it. And I really love that. I love, you know, studying relative volatility and, you know, stepping off. I like draw like on the diagrams, stepping it off and saying like, okay, so theoretically it should be this, right? And sometimes yeah. I wish I could pull from the 16th tray of that, those kind of columns and like condense it and say, oh, and analyze it. Yes, that's my perfect world. I'd love to know that much information. But the reality of the situation is we're all making a spirit. You, you can't do that. So you have to do it at more crude steps. And think about how what you're one like how clean how much you want to rectify it. So, I think that you know one other thing that we're talking about shapes of pots and helmets and line arm orientation and deflagmators and plates and everything. It's like if you made the same gin on a Hoga, uh, uh, a Vendome hybrid. Uh, what are the French ones called? I can I've always butchered the, the Prulo. Chalvenoc Prulos. Yeah, the Chalvenoc, right. The Chalvenoc, and then you made one, which has the preheater, right? Which has the preheater where right? It's, there's yeah. a whole another secondary. like So you could make those spirits, and they would be three completely different spirits, right? Yeah, I mean, with gin, too, where you could start with basically the exact same, the exact same thing, and it would be three different ones. I think the last thing we should quickly cover, just because we we've talked about it, but we didn't cover it, is why is the line arms why is the line arms angle important? And you know, I think it's pretty clear, but it's if it's well, there's a common theme here that we're talking about. Yeah, how does reflex work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But even so, I mean, you get, so you, you can have a lot of copper, and, you know, assuming your line arm is copper, you can have a lot of contact, but then if it's angled down, if anything that condenses, and if you, you know, make a, you know, you react some sulfur <coughs> with your copper and you get copper sulfate, but if your thing's angled down, it's running right into your condenser and then into your product, right? Yeah, so why, I mean. So why, why do people angle them down? I guess is my question. Well, I think because you're still, you have more copper surface area in that copper phase. The same reason as you would use warmer water in your worm condenser, right? In the in the vapor phase. Right, in the vapor phase. So it's all yeah. about the phase of your, right, and and the copper surface area during that phase. And I'd love, I mean, and someone, listener or whoever, if you want to, you know, talk, I would love to look at just isolating compounds and their reactions in the liquid versus vapor phase of the same distillate, right? Or the same yeah. wash, right? The same wash. So like, hey, it removes this much in the liquid phase and this much in the vapor phase. Like, so it's more effective. Like, I'd love concentrations, like data to support that. That would be yeah. really interesting, I think. I mean, it's actually a question. So, like, like if if you look at all the, you know, if you look at pictures of Scotch distilleries, their stripping stills are almost always, you know, big pots with a line arm angled pretty sharply downward, right? And then, and then their spirit runs are angled slightly, you know, not not super high, but slightly up, right? So it breaks back. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you get you get your reaction, but then any salts or you know heavy compounds that form. 
come back. So it's, that ends up a cleaner spirit. Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, a testament to that whole, right. And I still think that plays a lot to the liquid vapor phase reactions. Right. And like, I always think about what I experienced in big whiskey, you know, when it goes to a converter where it first <clears throat> hits copper, they keep a liquid level of condensate on there. Yeah. So, you know, they have these condensate from steam, right? And they, they rinse this copper. It kind of fills that vessel with all this copper tubing in that we were talking about. And, like, they control the level in these converters and how much it is and right now where it goes. And I'm like, okay, well, what should that level be? Well, right? I mean, it's the same number as, as plates. Six and a half, six and three quarters. <laughs> <whatever>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Point three. Well, I mean, but no, there's people like, I mean, I, I think that was a good, it was a question that I brought up. I never, I'll be completely honest. I never got a straight answer. I don't think anyone truly knows. They could say, and well. Anymore. <laughs> they said, historically, we ran it like this. So we're going to run it like this, right? But I think I'm like, okay, well, what is happening there? And you got to think your flow rate in your vapor, like your flow rate, your hydraulic loading is if you go from, you know, five gallons a minute to a beer still to 30 gallons a minute, that changes the whole dynamic of that, that still, right? Yeah. So it's going to change the dynamic of that, uh, you know, that downstream thing too. So like, is it, is it, should it be more liquid phase or vapor phase? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool to think about and kind of fun and kind of why we love what we do. Right. 17.3. Seventeen point three. I hate everything I do, <laughs> yeah. but mainly this podcast. Yeah, I thought that went without saying that was kind of implicit. Yeah. All right, grown us out. <laughs> I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> Final thoughts. Oh, with feeling. All right, go ahead, Brian, since I groaned us out. Uh, you go first. Um, stills are really important. You should get one if you want to make spirits. <laughs> you can tell I'm a Solid. fucking publisher. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll go. I think that copper is most effective with your spirit in the solid phase. Um, also i have a serious like question like seriously guys do you think it's the year of rum (laughs) ah i really worked that in there hard you did you You fucked it up for me you (laughs) fucked it up for me i lost my joke i can't even do it anymore i'm really fucking upset it's gone forever i feel real good about that thank you for that I, I'm going to go with what I, you know, that's like a fucking cliche bullshit statement. Like, start with the end in mind. What do you want to make? Do you want to make a brandy and you want it to be heavy and characterful and you're going to age it in fucking old rum barrels for 17 years? Then that's a different spirit if you're then you're going to make a vodka. All right. So know what tool you need for the job that you're doing. The answer to Zeno's question is that you want to make rum. Because it's the year. <laughs> yep. And then brand it as unicorn pubes. <laughs> Fuck you guys. You didn't even know I was doing it for a while. You just, I got you so many times and then you fucking ruined it. All right. I got a serious question. Deflegmator or deflamator? I don't know. I, I call it deflag. It's easier for me to call it deflag. It's really a pre-condenser, so it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I like that. There you go. Pre-condenser. Yeah. <laughs> Consider yourself educated, listener. This podcast was brought to you by High Proof Creative and G&D Trillers. For now. <laughs> They're fantastic. We could not do this podcast without the support of amazing sponsors like G&D Chillers that's, and High Proof Creative. That's true. Yeah. That, no, we really couldn't. And uh, that's the, Well, we could, but even less people would listen, which less than <laughs> one yeah. is... It's zero, it's pretty actually. That's math. Yeah. It's great to know that it takes two sponsors look, to get to one listener. That's solid look, math Obviously, none of, us, none of us are socially apt or, you know, just in general apt at all. But our social media has been 
on fire recently, and it's because we gave all total and complete control to High Proof Creative. Man, I should. I, I want to get on social media just to see our own social media. How sad is that? <laughs> you know what? Of all people, I would say, Zeno, stay away from social media. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it for you. You're not going to like what you see. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, all right. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, listener. We really do appreciate you. Find us on some sort of social media. Send us a message, send us your questions, and maybe give us a review or do a thing that makes people like us. Thumbs up us on uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's a thing, right? Yep. Find us at the bar drinking purity vodka. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what. If you can find me at a bar, I'll let you buy me a drink. (laughs) And with that, we're out. See you, dummies. Love you. (laughs) 